Hello, and welcome to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Crocanta Strength, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there is none better than Steven Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're looking for no BS training, a team that's going to stand up for you and stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to Croqueta Strength on Instagram and take 10% off all of your template programming when you show them a screenshot of you subscribing to the podcast on Spotify. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of my training. And you can head over to any of those four Instagram pages to get some products. This evening, I have the honor and the pleasure of sitting down with Kaylee Borges, uh, an ex-MMA fighter, a competitive powerlifter, a nutritionist, a health coach, a bit of a closeted nerd, and who would have thought a lover of Pop-Tarts. Uh, I'm excited to share this interview with you guys, so I won't waste any more of your time. But if you're looking to get some practical tips on nutrition, on sleep, on what you really need to be spending on coaches and supplementation, as well as some quirky stuff you didn't know about Miss K, then you're going to want to tune into this episode. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Kaylee, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Be here. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this thing happen. I uh, got mm-hmm. home from work a little bit early. We were talking right beforehand. You got the lashes done. You got the beanie on and everything. So I wish people could see the fashionista that we have on the show, but they'll have to deal with the audio. <laughs> if this is fashion, oof. Yeah, I know we're All we're right. at a low standard. You know, after six <laughs> months of quarantine, there's not much left. We're wearing hoodies, nope, nope. beanies. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on. It's fine. Well, for those who uh, who don't know who you are, I wonder if you just give a little bit of background into how you even got involved in this crazy fitness industry in the first place. Fitness industry. Honestly, um, I guess fitness in general. I started, I was in sports through high school. I always was into more of the physical kind of thing. I think that stemmed um, just from my want to uh, connect. Actually, my dad, I started lifting with him early on. I think I had a recent uh, conversation with someone. I was like, you know what? That's where it all started. It was just that way for me to connect with that individual in my life. So from there, um, I jumped into martial arts. I was still kind of lifting, but I was doing MMA um, and a bunch of different things there and competed there. And then I moved on to, I moved back into just lifting and I did like one bodybuilding show and then um, came into powerlifting and here we are. So that was a quick overview. Um So my early influences into that was just me coming into it and wanting to build a connection with people in my life. And then when I got into martial arts, um, I built connections with people there that I'm still friends with. And from there, I did some competitions. I did local um, jujitsu, judo, taekwondo, things like that. And then they were like, hey, like maybe you should like step into the ring or something. I was like, oh. Okay. So I did boxing. I started out boxing and I, I loved it. Had a lot of fun there. And then I uh, stepped into a, a cage 
about three times. And that was probably the most thrilling thing that I've ever done. It's something that very few people know what that feels like when you have like this cage door or something like closed behind you and this person standing right in front of you. And they're just like, I am going to try to kick your ass. (laughs) And then then I did one bodybuilding show, honestly, not a fan um, of the sport. That's my personal preference. Um, Just, I see what it is done to me and people um, that I work with. And then I moved into powerlifting and I am still powerlifting and I have a meet that I'm going to do in November. Sweet. Um, yeah, there's a ton there. So you kind of mentioned on the front end that the beginning was really you getting to connect with your dad. So has he mm-hmm. was he able to be really a positive influence for you as, even as you've gone on to to compete and train all the different sports you've gotten to be able to do? I think so. He is he is not involved. He was involved for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think my my draw there was I had something to prove. Yeah. Right. So I had something to prove to myself um, and then to him and to any influence that I had in my life. And that is sort of what has has been the driver for me on top of everything else surrounding it. Sure. So kind of having that chip on your shoulder to actually make a statement and, and prove that yeah. Yeah, you're worth it <laughs> for sure. I think there's a lot of lifters yeah. that, that are in a very similar boat that they wanted to. They wanted to impress their dad. I was the exact same way. Uh, literally any one of my friends that from Liberty that would be listening to this know that I used to say that, yeah, I started training because my dad wasn't going to give me approval unless I did something in college that was a sport. And so right. I started picking up things and putting them down again. And sure enough, yep. you get the approval. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you've got, we've got MMA, we've got bodybuilding, which we don't need to go into because you hated it. So we don't need to get back into that. I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it to be fair. I respect the sport. And I think that pros in the sport, like, I think bodies are fucking beautiful. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Can I say that on this podcast? By all means. By all means. <laughs> okay. I think bodies are beautiful. It's amazing what people are able to do and create and you can see them as their bodies are changing and they can manipulate things. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's very, very much so mental, but I think most of the population cannot handle that. And they have to be very careful when they go into something like that and understand like what you're, you're putting yourself into position to, you know, build more negative relationships with yourself and with food and things like that. So that's just something that. Um, I guess as a takeaway to coaches is to do a huge like screening process with people that you're going to work with and see if it's something that they can handle. And if they can handle it, then fucking go for it. Yeah. You know, when, when those trophies move up, become a pro, like you get sponsorships and things like that. And it's just, you know, and it does a lot for people in there, but there's just a word of caution. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned right there, you know, that, that dangerous ed, nice edge of nutrition in sports like powerlifting and bodybuilding, everyone looks at, you know, the, the body image conversation and goes, Oh yeah, you just have an unhealthy eating habit. If you're eating too much, you know, you're going out and getting junk food all the time, whatever. But then we see a ton of professional and amateur athletes in the fitness industry who arguably have even worse eating disorders. And so Mm -hmm. I know you as, as a nutrition coach and nutritionist, you talk about this all the time. So I wonder if we can get into this a little bit. What are some of these pitfalls that athletes fall into nutrition wise that really just end up screwing themselves in the long run instead of actually benefiting them. Yeah, I think um, powerlifting is something, I mean, it's it's a niche, it's a sport, it's a part of the fitness industry. We can call all of this like the umbrella of the fitness industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, and bodybuilding is, is closely related. You see a lot of bodybuilders coming over into powerlifting and things like that. And there's a lot of influence there as to far as far as how how people handle their diets, if they're handling it all. So mm-hmm. people are, people are, we tend to be extremists 
we struggle really hard to find balance. So some people are very, very restrictive. Mm-hmm. And then some people, it's the seafood diet year round. Yeah. So in like in powerlifting, there's a lot of guys who are still guys. I say guys as in like guys and girls um, who are still on that, you know, eat big to lift big. Right. Mm-hmm. So then there's like this overconsumption and then you get into, you know, some issues there. But then you have a lot of people now who it's it's more of an image thing, too. It's like how like, you know, it's what I look like. It's how shredded I can be on meat day. You know, and then they get very restrictive with their eating. And it's still the same thing. I mean, eating disorders and the bad relationship with food doesn't matter what industry you're at. um, Mm -hmm. It's there. Um, All sports have it. So it's just there's, again, coaches need to be very vigilant and ask those questions. You know, and that's what people need to be talking about is, you know, how are you treating your body? What's going on on the inside? Um, And then how can we make this as healthy as possible? Because powerlifting is already inherently not the healthiest. I mean, <laughs> right, right, yeah, we're kind of killing ourselves prepping for meats, but you know, yeah, right. But it's all it's all fun and games. So, um, again, it's yeah, it's not that healthy to be under like massive load and people get injured and things like that. So it's even more so just another reason for you to take care of yourself when it comes to food. Um, so if you want to ask specific food questions, I know you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, nutritional nuances. <laughs> So kind of things like I do with coaching with people is most of the time leading up to a meet. Um, you know, a lot of people want to cut for a meet. I get that question all the time. Can you, mm-hmm. hey, can you help me? I want to get ready for this meet. I want to cut. I do get people who want to jump entire weight classes. And I'm like, um, give me about like five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long this is going to take. And for you to actually like the way that you look and the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise you're just going to look like a bigger potato. So, yeah. um, but people ask me about cutting for meats all the time. And unless there is a record or they've been in it long enough and they can handle that kind of stress, then I usually am just like, look, like, let's, let's get you at a good maintenance. Let's work on the fundamentals here. Like you don't even know how to prep like basic, just like chicken and rice and broccoli. So let's start there. Right. So let's learn how to cook some basic stuff, get you eating on a regular pattern here, get you fueled for your training sessions. And then we can worry about how we're going to manipulate your weight. And then from there, it's just coaching them through whether we're cutting or whether we're maintaining our building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is the it's like the golden rule that everyone tells people for their first competition: don't cut weight. Because everyone's like, "Oh, I want to. I always wanted to compete at two forty two or one eight what at one eighty one, and so they drop twenty pounds, and then they're like, "Wait, why can't I lift as much weight as yeah. I could twenty pounds heavier?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, maybe because your body composition is completely different now, you know." Yeah. And they feel like absolute shit. Yeah. It's like, just be, be patient. Like, look at this, like years down the road, it takes that long for your body to change. Like you trip, you treated your body like shit for 10 years and you're either really overweight or really like, you're really weak. And like, we have to build that. So just give it some time. Everyone wants to, you know, do things now, Mm -hmm. but that's not how the body works. Like you got to be patient and you have to build those fundamentals, like learn how to cook, eat on a regular basis. Um, How about sleep? Because nobody, nobody's sleeping. Everyone wants to, you know, stay awake all night and then they're caffeinated throughout the day and their sleep schedule is totally screwed. And stress levels are, you know, I mean, everyone's a little extra stressed right now just because, sure. you know, pandemic and things. 
but there's there's a lot more to consider there too. And so cutting is just one of those extra stressors that we can worry about later on mm-hmm. once we handle all the other things. Yeah. So I know I was a communications major uh, in college. So we always talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, for everyone to to get to a certain level, they got to take care of the baseline. So from a nutrition mm-hmm. standpoint, what would be the equivalent? Like, what is the absolute? You kind of got into a little bit, but if you really flesh this out, what it, what is the absolute bare minimum somebody needs to be getting at before they can even start thinking about you know these next steps? Hmm. Well, yeah, I did kind of hit on it. So making sure you're sleeping, making sure you're hydrated. Um, there is, I don't like calling it stress management, more like, um, we'll call like emotional regulation or emotion management, mm-hmm. more like it, because everybody's fucking stressed. Like if right. you're trying to not be stressed, then um, I don't know what you're on, but <laughs> yeah. like, I want some of that. <laughs> right. But um, so sleep hydration, making sure you're eating as many of the natural foods as possible. People have this misconception that like healthy food tastes bad. It's really just because you're too fucking lazy to cook it in all of the beautiful ways that there is. Like just go, just go Google different recipes and try it out. You know, you can make things taste good. And there's like five different ways to cook a sweet potato. Pick one, have fun with it. Like, so basically... All of that, and then you have, like, we'll say at the top end for um, more elite athletes, then you consider, like, supplementation, or if you go and see your physician, they're like, hey, like, you're deficient, then we can worry about those nutrients. Other than that, um, unless I'm forcing someone to, you know, gain weight, and I see that they're not meeting, like, you know, X needs, then we'll go, like, powder-based, so we'll do the protein, or um, maybe some like glucose powder or something like that. But those are as far as, as far as I go on supplements. Yeah. Well, so kind of piggybacking off of that supplement question, cause that's the other, you know, classic, you get the gym bros start working out the end of high school. Um, and it just cracks me up looking back, you know, you get to the end of high school and dudes are like, it's like that whispered word. People are like, Hey, man, are you on creatine? And there's like the one dude in like the corner of the gym. That's like, yeah, man, I've been on creatine for years. And everyone's like, holy yeah. shit. Like this dude's a legend. And I like, I oh, even God. remember falling into it, like going to like the head strength coach. And I was like, yo dude, like I'm like a buck 60 at the time. And you know, for those listening, obviously I'm like a hundred pounds more than that now, but I go, Hey, you think it'd be a good idea if I hopped on creatine? He was like, I don't know if you're ready for that. It's like this weird conversation <laughs> of like everyone being like, holy oh, shit, like this Lord. is the Mecca. So you get these dudes that go out, they get their creatine, they get their whey protein, their fish oil, their BCAA, you know, they're dropping thousands of dollars yeah. on supplements. Are they necessary? Are there, what should people actually be taking? What shouldn't they, where are they getting scammed? I just wonder what your overview is on all that. Honestly, like your whey protein is fine. If you feel like you're not meeting your needs, I personally would rather eat steak than some chalky powder. (laughs) I mean, let's be real here. It doesn't taste good. I get it. It was a big push by the fitness industry because it was just like a sort of a byproduct. And we're like, hey, what can we do with it? I don't know. Let's sell it. People will buy it up. Okay, perfect. There we go. (laughs) It's really not, you know necessary for the most part. Um, I would say my bigger athletes, I would have them take it. Um, sometimes I'll take them um, um, intra with a little bit of creatine and we might do some like candy or something like that. Cause that's always fun. Um, what else? 
your BCAs. I don't, I'm just all about real food and whole Mm -hmm. food. People struggle with that so much. And there's just so much in food. You have your fiber and you have the plethora of other like micronutrients that you, I mean, unless you want to spend that much money on pills, like you really don't though, because there's also different forms of vitamins and Mm -hmm. there's just so much, like a lot of that shit, like I have like forgotten that I've just learned over the years, but it's just not really necessary Mm because I, there's no way in hell I could get everybody to do. Like, I would love to stick people in a lab and like, let's see what exactly your body needs. And then we can get you this like awesome little packet of like the perfect set of vitamin, like nutrients for you. Mm -hmm. Like that would be most ideal. Right. Of course. Of if, course. If we had access to that, if I could do blood panels and things like that, but I, I don't. There's no way. So just eat real food for the most part. If you do have access to that and your physician is like, hey, like, you know, let's let's throw in some like this, I recommend this brand that I can get of like a multi or something, you're kind of struggling here, then okay. But for the most part, people like, like save your money and just spend it on like fresh foods, Mm -hmm. spend it on, spend it on the time that it takes to like cook those foods, unless you can afford a meal prep company or you have a sponsor, which by all means, like that would be great. But most people don't. So, so essentially you're saying just take your Flintstones gummy vitamins and you know, other than that, you'll be uh, pretty much good. Just eat a steak. Those are terrible. They're awful. I had those I, as a kid. They're horrible. I think we, I think we all did. And I, I see these Ooh. memes pop up on my Instagram feed every once in a while. And it's like, oh, when you get COVID, but that one or two Flintstone gummies from when I was seven, you know, kick in and make right. sure I don't have it anymore, you know, <laughs> because everyone took them. They're like, these suck. And they just stopped taking them. They haven't taken vitamins in the last 12 years since then, but. Right. It's so nasty. Yeah, it's that's tough. I think we all I think every single person as an adult now has PTSD from taking those as a kid, but you know <laughs> I, I digress. I literally like tasted I tasted that in my mouth. I was like, oh God. Like the red ones. Oh those were the worst. Oh so oh but, my gosh. Anyway, we won't we no. won't keep scarring people <laughs> with that mental image. Um, but yeah, so I, I think generally, and, and this is, we see this all the time, you know, whether it's fitness or business or anything, industries are always trying to get money from people. And I mm-hmm. think in a niche sport, you know, like powerlifting or even bodybuilding, Olympic weightlifting, people can just pour, it's just a money pitfall. People are just pouring hundreds of dollars into the right gear that's going to help them lift more or the right supplements or a coach that's $200 a month when they're not making $200 a month, you know? Mm-hmm. what what would be your advice for people that are even just entering in? Because I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, younger dudes or younger women that are getting involved in the sport to, to get involved and create, you know, a lasting career without one, screwing themselves financially or two, arguably screwing themselves physically by picking up a coach that really isn't in their best interest. That's, that's hard. That's hard, especially with social media. And you have people you have your bros saying, Hey, man, like I worked with this guy for a little by a little while. And he's my buddy. And, you know, he was he's starting out as a coach, and he wants to be a good coach and blah, blah, blah. I think you should hire him. It's just it's hard to say, like, there is word of mouth, Mm -hmm. there is following there is you see you see people who seem to be turning out pretty good athletes like that's obviously a good general way to look at it and to go for it if you can afford it. Um, If you can't like, I would say just spend time learning the fundamentals of like building your body instead of going right into like a competition coaching, Mm -hmm. right? So just learn your body, get strong. Um, The basic fundamentals as far as nutrition and recovery apply across the board. 
So if you have all that under the under control and you if it's one of those things where you can't because you mentioned affording a coach, um, I know that there's like programs that you can follow online, but just take your time. It does take time to learn those things and to learn yourself. Um, I'm never going to be a powerlifting coach because I'm just not going to learn how to program. I know the way that my body functions and how I feel and I can give really good feedback to my coaches and that's that's for me and that's where I stand with that um but as far as young kids going in like don't you know see also pay attention to how that coach is with people in general like if they communicate well like I've had I've had coaches who don't communicate well or they communicate in a way that's not very effective and Mm -hmm. I don't really I don't really feel like I'm listened to maybe that's just me being needy um but I definitely want good feedback from my coach I want I want them to understand me as a human being because just because you have a pretty program written out doesn't mean like I'm like a robot and I'm just going to do exactly perfectly what's on that program that day Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there could be other stressors. I could be like, there could be like a nagging, like injury or something coming up that I have to be aware of. And I just can't do that day's program, whatever. So it, it's just the coach has to be adaptive and they have to be understanding and look at the lifter holistically. Yeah. So and that could be just try it out for a month. And if it doesn't work, you don't have to keep swinging on their nut. Like just go to somebody else. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you also see, it feels like everyone and their and their brother is coming out and saying, "Yeah, I coach athletes now." So you've got you know so and so gets a thousand followers, and they think to themselves, "Man, I must be qualified to take people to a competition." You know, they've competed once at like a local meet, and they're like, oh, oh, "I took first. Like, it's yeah. time for me to go to the next level." You know, and they're charging people, and then people just start getting injured. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you see any way to like? I don't know if like stop the dam is the right way to say it, but like, is there a way to get people to stop doing that? Or is it just human nature? Uh, call them out Yeah, <laughs> in a respectful way. Sure. Okay. I like to say this. You can say what everybody's thinking and you cannot be an asshole when you say it, you can mm-hmm. be a professional and be like, look, dude, like you're not experienced enough to be coaching people. Like go through and you go through university or go through a good, like, you know, certificate program. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. Mm -hmm. Learn the fundamentals. You do have to spend time working with people. Like you can read and read and read, but when it's hands-on, like that's just the, that's the key component there that's going to set you apart. So it doesn't matter your credentials. Like people do need time to working with people, um, but they don't need to scan them out of money and act like there's some big hotshot. Now there are a few individuals who don't have certifications or degrees and they're just wicked smart. Yeah. And they just know their shit, but most people are not those people. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be vigilant. But again, I think calling them out in a respectful manner, be like, Hey man, you're going to get people hurt Yeah. and that's going to cost them time and money. So please, with all due respect, just stop what you're doing, reevaluate some things and then go back into it. If you really want to be a coach and if you really want to be a coach, you should want to you should have a really good investment and and passion for human performance, not mm-hmm. to make money. Yep. The money has to be an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same with anything. If you're in it to make money, one, you're going to be miserable and everyone you work with is going to be miserable because you're not there for them. You're not in it because you're passionate. You're in it because you're trying to make a quick buck. And as mm-hmm. we know, making a quick buck, especially now, is the reason our economy is not doing great. So. Don't make a quick buck. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, so kind of jumping back um, a little bit, uh, you know, yesterday I was at work and 
you know, I was, I was researching and prepping for this, doing my classic deep dive. And, and I stumble across, you know, your MMA uh, fighting. And I don't know how I had missed the fact that you were in MMA. Uh, I but I'm, I don't uh, I don't show it off. You don't show <laughs> it off. Probably why. That's probably but why. You had my first question is I wanted to know about the nickname. They called you the Banshee. What was the thinking behind that? Was that self-proclaimed or was that kind of given to you? No, it was kind of given to me by the man who introduced me to my first coach and really was the driver behind me um, staying in it as long as I did. Um, I consider him, him my uncle, basically. Um, he was He's been around my entire life. And he came up with it one day. He was trying kind of like, fishing around and we all had nicknames then which I think are just nicknames are just retarded but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they stick sometimes sure. you know you're like that's how you know somebody but um yeah I think it's just because of my last name it kind of went it was like a b and a b mm-hmm. but I don't know I think I think for me too the banshee like folklore banshee is actually this um I don't know if she's considered a witch but it's this woman who's like a sign of death. Mm-hmm. And so you hear her scream. And when you hear her scream and then you see her, that means you're going to die. So I don't know. I did some like reading a while back. So that's cool as hell. It's not like the, um, the like superhero Banshee. You right. Know? Right. I didn't actually make the connection, but now that you made the connection, we have to get into that. So I know <laughs> you also, you all, we'll get back to MMA here in a second. Uh, I know you've also been on nerds who lift. And so mm-hmm. I, I have to ask, you know, you bring up superheroes. What's, what's the favorite superhero for you? And I'll, I'll caveat that with who's the superhero you think you most identify with as a person. Oh man. Do you know, there are a lot of super, I'm not like There's a, a super lot. nerd either. So I don't know like the comic books and like the waybacks. Oh. like, um, who's my favorite superhero. I don't know. I feel you like know, every I kid have, was asked this as like a five. year old. Well, I guess I have like adult me has a mad crush on Iron Man. Sure. So he's probably one of my more favorite. Like if we can call him a superhero, I know some people are like, well, physically he's not what he doesn't have a superpower, whatever. Um, But someone who I think I resonate most with. Hmm. Guess I'd never really thought about that. It's a tougher question than it actually seems like on the on the front level. We can come back to it though. Okay. We can't think of it. We can come back to it um, okay. on the back end. But yeah. So Iron Man or Robert Downey Jr., you know, might be more of the, you know, yeah, anyway. That's my husband. Yeah. Uh, he's he's everyone's husband. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think everyone, yeah, resonates with that for sure. Uh well, so I wonder if you could go back to that first time you stepped in the ring, first time you're in the arena. What what is going through your mind? Like, I wonder if you can just relive that first fight a little bit. Um, you know, I asked people about the competitions, but I wonder for you specifically. I feel like MMA is just something that not a lot of people have experienced. No, of course not. Nobody likes to get punched. No, in no the one face. wants to get punched in the face. It's like, yeah, everybody talks big game, but then when it comes to it, they don't want the smoke. Honestly, my so my first MMA fight was uh, <sighs> Coliseum Combat. Man, that was a while ago. That was fucking okay. Honestly, I felt so good physically. I was peaked perfectly. I did a little bitty, bitty like water cut, and I was a lean bean too. Mm-hmm. I was like a hundred. And, I think I weighed in. It was like a catch weight at one twenty. I weighed in at one eighteen. Um, I felt so good, and I was there with a bunch of athletes. I think some of my other teammates were fighting too, 
And the way this place was set up is we had um, these sort of like cloth barriers between like each side. So it was like a blue side and a red side, whatever corner you had. And so I never even saw my opponent the entire time, which was kind of cool. Everything was lit up. The ring was, the cage was huge. I think it was an actual like eight sided ring. Sometimes they're five, especially with a lot of the smaller shows, they're like five. Mm -hmm. But this one was humongous and warming up. Everything felt really good. Um, I honestly wasn't jittery at all. I was just just ready. No, I was so excited. I was ready to go. Like I, and I think that was like the adrenaline. I think that was my jitteriness, but like I was, I was excited. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't fearful. I was just ready to go. And then um, I'm getting like amped, like thinking about it actually. (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna go in you can't leave program now you can't go into the gym yeah. you're too close to a comp <laughs> so no let's see walking out everything was super calm oh there's this i'll have to send you the song that i walked out to it's um something by cruella it's like an edm kind of yeah it's a little different um i walked out to that i was the first one out i like to be the first one out so i'm mm-hmm. like waiting for him you know like yeah. i already stepped foot in here i marked my territory right so i walked it <laughs> i walked in there i'm over to my corner kind of looking out um most places have the lights dimmed around mm-hmm. where the um like fans are or whatever this place didn't it was all lit up so i could see everybody i saw all my family my grandpa was there like everybody was there awesome so it was pretty cool. Um, we went all three rounds. She uh, she did not want to box with me. I just done my – I had went through my boxing competition, so I just wanted to stand up the whole time. Like I was just ready to, ready to stand and bang. So she wanted to lock up with me. We spent some time. I'm not sure which one you watched. Um, I don't think it was your first one. It was one you won, but I don't remember which one it was. Then it would have been the, it would have been the second one. Okay. Um, so we went all three. So by decision, it was unanimous. Um, and I did like a little speech. I was so nervous. I was like, I love my family. Thank you guys for coming. <laughs> They're holding the mic. Like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I'm so excited yeah. to be here. I'm signing autographs outside if you want. Oh, what's funny is this little boy. He was such a little fan. He came up to me. He's like, oh my God, can I get your autograph? I was like, oh, where's my first little autograph? It was so cute. <laughs> I, have a picture. I have a picture of him on my phone with me. Um, that was a good feeling that honestly, like, it was so fun. I don't like really remember like being in there. I don't, I think that's pretty normal. I mean, it goes by so fast. Um, my opponent was pretty respectful and yeah. And then from there I did two more competition. I did two more MMA. So part of the second one that you watched, um, I won in the first round pretty quickly. And then the third one went, I let it go to a decision by the third fight that I had, um, after that, we were talking about going pro, and I was going to be matched up with possibly Rose Namhunas. Mm. Um, but at that point in time, I was college age, and I would have had to have traveled. Um, there's just not a whole lot in Indiana as far as the MMA scene goes. Sure. So I was already kind of out of it just mentally. There was a lot of push because women had just started getting into bigger fights Mm -hmm. um, and like Bellator. And there was talk of it in the UFC because Dana White finally was like, okay, we're going to make hella money letting women in here. So um, there was just a lot of push from people. They were like, oh, yeah, you should go here. You should do this. And I was just like, I was kind of backed into a corner. I was like, I don't like this. I don't want to do it. So 
I just kind of fell out of love with it. Um, I didn't do it because I wanted to fight anyway. Like I had never been in a fight before that. (laughs) So it just wasn't, you know, a lot of people who are in fighting, like they grew up fighting, you know, it's like exhilarating to them. But I went into it because I watched like Bruce Lee growing up and I thought like fighting says, I thought that was badass. I thought that was like about like respect and honor and learning how to defend yourself. And, you know, it gave me so much confidence and, you know, being with those guys and training like that and just being broken down and like, that was the best shape of my life. Yeah. Like people think, people think power, like you're sore from powerlifting after a hard, like hypertrophy block. No, <laughs> not even close. It's your entire body, like muscles that you don't even know are there. You're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. that hurts all the time. Yeah, so, I, did, I, I didn't even know that was there behind my knee. Why? Why can't right. I strengthen my leg? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how fighting ended for me. I just kind of I pulled out of it for a little bit. I miss it a lot. Actually, I've been really entertaining going and doing uh, jujitsu again. I don't think I'll fight. I get that question. I swear I get that question like once a month, like, oh, like, do you still fight? Are you going back to fight? Like, no, like, I like my brain cells. The number <laughs> that <they're> at. <laughs> I don't want to fight. It's not real. It's like, I want to learn tactical. I want to learn combatives that because that kind of way to be able to defend myself like in a real life scenario. And that was my problem, too, is whenever I stepped in a cage with somebody, it wasn't um, I didn't have that trigger. Sure. And I always kind of got, I always kind of got in trouble for that. Like by my coaches, they were like, you need to be more aggressive. And looking back it's because it wasn't real enough for me. Yeah. You know, cause I'm like, I'm not actually going to get that hurt. And I also, I think my problem too was that I only trained with guys. And so when a girl hit me, I was like, say what? <laughs> right. Right. I was like what was that? <laughs> so yeah. it just wasn't the same. But. Yeah. Well, as you transitioned into powerlifting, like, did, were you, have you found, I, I never feel like I've seen you be super, super aggressive in training. Like, I've, I don't think I see you get mad, but like, it has, have you, it, so there's no, there's no trigger for powerlifting for you really either. It just became, Hey, like, this is now the thing that I do. And I enjoy this. Or was it, I, once again, I know you said you have a point to prove, but was there ever that rage behind that training that you see a lot of these other dudes you know, or even women come in like I think it's like yeah. Stacy Burr. Like Stacy Burr gets so hyped before she gets behind oh the Oh my gosh, she does. She like screams. Like, yeah, like <laughs> there's a whole other level to that to that energy. I love Stacy to death, um, but I feel like I've never seen that same you know anger from you. So I wonder what's the mindset behind your own training? You know, if it's not that that trigger. Um, it come it comes up it surfaces a little bit depending on my emotional state. Um, but for, for the most part, I'm definitely more calm in training. I'm definitely more like analytical of myself mm-hmm. because for me, like even I see people who they'll go up for, you know, a max attempt and get hit to like amp them up. That honestly just like distracts me so much. And it makes me want to turn around and clock whoever just did that. <laughs> it's, so, it's so distracting. I'm like, I need to focus, but I don't know. I don't really have that like that sort of rager mentality. I know it's very, it can be very useful if you know how to channel it, but it's just something for me personally that I would have to dig really deep. And I have before, but it really has to just be the right setting. And for the most part, I am very calm. I'm generally very just like level-headed, chill, doing my thing, like whatever, like people who see me at meets even, I'm just, I literally am just like sitting like back like this, like 
waiting for my time to go. You know, I'm not racing because it's also not, it's not like fighting. I don't have that amp. I don't feel like there is an element of danger, but for me, powerlifting, there's, you know, at least not yet. It'll get, it'll get to that point, like over the years where it, I will be in a more dangerous position under Mm -hmm. these weights. Like I respect that, you know, um, there is that element there, but for now it's just, I don't know. I'm just kind of coasting along, doing my thing and pushing it. Yeah. I remember last year I was, uh, I was at my qualifier meet for collegiate nationals and, uh, I had missed my second deadlift. Uh, my, uh, I got off balance. And so my final deadlift was going to one, determine whether I was going to place at the meet and two is going to determine whether I was going to nationals or not. So I'm sitting down, you know, they're, they're putting the baby powder on my legs, which I definitely didn't need. Cause it was like five thirteen. but they were like, we're going to, we're going to get you totally amped. You're going to be super anyway. So I'm standing, my, uh, my handler's looking at me and he just like slaps me as hard as he can in the face. And just for like a split second, I was like super confused. I was like, where it, but you know, it, it worked like it oh, amped me up. Okay. Like I got super pissed off and he was like, be pissed off at the bar go. and come hit me afterwards. And I was like, I go. am going to hit you. So anyway, so we oh, go yeah. ahead and, and ended up, you know, securing it. But I think of that cause I'm like, well, like, I don't know how effective regularly getting hit in the face right before I lift is actually going to be for me to complete the lit. Like, I feel like it would be counterproductive on a regular basis, but no. And some a- people, some people just can channel it into that. Like, I mm-hmm. think I, I think for me too, is I have so many of the things, um, I have so many other things going on as well, like through this whole like lifting career. Some people see this as like a means to an end where they're going all in. They want to be at the top and they want to do all that. And like, that's, that's admittedly not me. Like I want to be good and I want to fuck it. I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the people. I want to travel to the gyms, you know, and I want to do this probably for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not something where I'm like, I have that mentality where I want to be the best and I want to just murder it and I want to go all in. There are people like that and like, that's them. Like, that's fucking great. We need that. We all need that because it's, it's fun to see. It's motivating to see. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, but for some people, it's good to hear that there's lifters who are being successful who are just kind of, hey, they go in, they train, they yeah. get it done and, and they head yeah. out. They have a, they have a cup of tea afterwards, you know? Yeah. Yes. Shout out. No one's, no one can see this, but she has been drinking tea throughout this. So this, this leads me to a, a great segue. Uh, we won't get into the breakfast question yet. Cause that would be the very back end, but what, what's the perfect cup of tea? What is the perfect relaxing? It's a Thursday night. I'm hanging out in a beanie drinking a cup of tea. What does it look like? Mm. You know, I, I like my mint tea, but I like it to have a little bit of lavender, maybe some okay. chamomile and a mint. You see those like sleepy time, blends mm-hmm. and i usually like to co- combine that with like the the plantain mint and i'll actually here's the trick throw a little packet of stevia because stevia ha- to me stevia has like a natural like little minty and it gives it like that sweetness and there you go that's perfect man that's a that's a full recipe i'm the type of per- i just throw a tea bag in i'm like ah i don't know what this tastes like but like i guess oh. it'll be good <laughs> <Right. laughs> so like your your mixology you got like a pot in front of you you're figuring everything out it's a more complex process than people realize, apparently. <laughs> you know, what's funny is for a while, I actually boiled, for some reason, boiled the water for the tea. And I just like, I was hanging out with some people and they're like, why don't you just throw that in the microwave? I'm like, oh, I guess I could do that. I just like the whole like art of it. Just, you know, putting it on, it's boiling. It's the whole, it's the whole experience. I yeah, guess. it is. It's the experience. Yeah. 
I uh, I grew up in Ireland, and of course, all of the British Isles, it's all they're ever doing, is they're just, they're prepping their, their kettle of tea, and they're boiling hot water, and it's like five times a day, you show up, they say, hey, do you want a cup of tea? You're like, no, and they just keep asking you until you say yes. So I grew up drinking, you know, English breakfast oh, wow, tea and okay. all that, but... Yeah, if you're if you're ever in England, just don't say no because they're going to keep asking you until you change your mind. But yeah, it's a different reality here in the states. Not too much of that. Oh, I'm sure that would be fantastic. I would definitely take a cup of tea, sir. Yeah, exactly. You get a couple of little like whatever whatever they call it, like shortbread biscuits. You know, you're sitting. It's raining outside. It's like 55 degrees all the time. Oh, I mean. That kind of sounds perfect, but I feel like the rain would get a little old. <laughs> yeah, when it when it rains 365 days out of the year, yeah, it starts to get old, you know. But. Oh, yikes. And that's why you're here. <laughs> and, that, and that's why I am, yeah, not in Ireland anymore. But so kind of, on you know, on the back end here, um, kind of a chance for you to, to plug a little bit more kind of what you do. I know you work as a nutritionist. Uh, you've got, you're always posting up clients or doing stuff, you know. What, what can people expect from you? Uh, what What's coming up for you soon? I know you've got, you said you got a competition coming up here pretty soon. You've been prepping for, you know, what, what does the future look like for you? Um, <laughs> let's see. I actually, so I'm actually going to do, I signed up for hybrid in February. So I was going to do power surge, um, which is this coming weekend. Um, so I'm still going to be there, support everybody, have a good time. Um, as far as competition goes, that's what I'm looking at. And then maybe do something in the fall. Um, it just kind of depends. You know, I want certain elements to be in the right space for me to mm-hmm. compete. I'm not just going to beat my body up for no reason, right? Sure. I'm going to be a little bit more selective. Um, as far as the nutrition goes, I want to continue to build. It's not my full-time gig, um, but it's definitely something that I will continue to do. Um, but I'm, I'm taking my time with it. Coaching. Coaching takes time. Mm-hmm. It's sure you can have your degree, certificates, whatever. But like, like I said before, when it with like powerlifting coaching, like it's, it's working one-on-one with people and learning the psychology of it and making those connections because you have to, especially with nutrition, like people have to be pretty comfortable with you because that's something that is pretty intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have a relationship with food. It's, it's emotional. It's cultural. Um, it's not just this like black and white, like, here's these numbers that I want you to punch in on your phone every day. You Mm -hmm. know, people use food when they're emotional to help them in a lot of ways. So it just takes kind of time to build those connections with people. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm doing as far as envisioning that there is something that's, you know, I, I would like to build, you know, a connection with coaches over time and build something there. Um, there are some other, like you have your RP. Um, there's another, there's a couple like app, app based companies and things like that. But I think the one-on-one is really where you make those changes and you can, you know, you can see breakthroughs in people, um, you know, in their behaviors. So that's, that's something for me. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to look like in a year's time. It really just depends on, you know, certain things lining up. But I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing and get better and better um, and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's all you can do. You know, I know, especially now, you know, it's funny when I started interviewing people back in March, you know, the whole time I was like, hey, you know, since we're going to be out of this whole COVID thing here in about a month or so, like, what's the next step? And now (laughs) we're like sitting here in mid-October and I'm like, well, actually, now that we're still here. So I know a lot of of people's plans are on hold. You know, even for me, I was like, man, like I really thought, you know, stuff would be dead. Like I moved across the country and I was like, man, I can't wait to 
go experience a million things and go out and da 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 da. It's like, no, we're still just wearing masks and hanging out in yeah. groups of 10. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of, you know, it's the, it's the reality. And it's, it, it's hard it's, to, it's to the do. It's new reality. I, yeah. I know. I wish it wasn't. I hate that phrase so much because I'm like, it's no, like, norm. I'm like, it, the new normal. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> shut up. You know, I like, hate I hate it. I refuse to accept. <laughs> I literally, I do. Like every time I go out there, like, so Moses, like, you refuse, like, you're not going to go out and wear them. I'm like, no, I'm going to do everything I need to, but I'm going to resent it every yeah. minute I'm doing it because I'm like, yeah, do I miss, you know, just go hang out? Like, I work with kids and, you know, they're having to wear masks while interacting with each other after school. And it's like, this sucks. Like, you're eight years yeah. old and you're out on a playground going down a slide wearing a mask. I it's can't like, imagine what their little minds are thinking. Like that is such an alien thing. Yeah. You know, they're they're missing out on like I mean, so much of our, our communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And when you can't see someone's face, like that's like that's taking away like a literal like sense that we have, yeah. right? To be able to read people. So it's not going to be, you know, let's just keep our hopes. It's not going to be forever. We're, we're, we're hoping for that silver lining. I'm waiting for, you know, I think of Lord of the Rings. I'm waiting for Gandalf to come over the hill, you know, wearing all white. And then we'll be like, oh, great. It's over. We can all <laughs> we can all go back out again. But, right. oh, man. Anyway, the new normal, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so a couple of the things that have made, I think, this podcast effective in whatever capacity, effective, subjective, of course. But you know, has been this this faith question and then this breakfast question. The faith one has kind of been, you know, as I, I've talked about before on previous episodes of this metaphor of finding the dude behind the Wizard of Oz's loud megaphone voice of, you know, finding the person that's just trying to figure out who they are, why in the world they're on the earth in the first place and, you know, where in the world they're going, if anywhere afterwards. And so I just love asking people, you know, what role, if any, has your own personal faith played in your training or your coaching or even your methodology towards how you interact with other people? Hmm. Yeah, I saw that question. I was definitely thinking about it. Um, I think in a general sense, just in my own humanity, you know, because... I really feel like on some level, nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> everybody, everybody questions themselves, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? But then we just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the way that I try to treat people, and I've, I've been really, especially this year, this has been a very hard year on many levels. Yeah. Um, just outside of COVID for a personal level, I've went through a lot of things that have created a lot of forced change in myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen parts of myself that I didn't want to see. And then now I'm like, okay, here we are. We're growing, we're building, we're moving forward because, you know, I think I know myself a lot better now and I know who the fuck I am and who I want to be. And I'm still going to continue striving for that. And I want to be able to, you know, treat people the same too. Mm. You know, if I can leave a lasting impression, I might not be like the smartest or do all the right things, but if I can at least leave people, you know, with a good sense, like being around me feels good. Like that's what matters. Yeah. So, you know, in the way that I, in the way that I train, um, in the way that I coach people, um, it's just meeting them where they are. Like I said before, um, you know, people are not robots. They are going to mess up and that's okay. You know, so having that, having that empathy, but also being able to, um, hold, hold people accountable and hold myself accountable too. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And and that's kind of been a, a recurring theme. I, I did a couple episodes right when I first recorded one with James Strickland, another with Logan Chapman. So you guys are listening, go check those out for sure. Um, of this idea of leaving a legacy, you know, that I remember, uh, you know, Liberty used to have speakers come in every week. They always try to share some, some modicum of, of wisdom. And, you know, I remember one said, they're like, Hey, like, do any of you guys know your great, great, great grandfather's name? And you get like the one kid in the back of the whole school. It's like, yeah, I do. And everyone else like, no. And so his point was, he was like, Hey, regardless of how incredible you are, eventually your name's going to be forgotten. You're going to be moved on. There's going to be new generations here. He goes, I say all this because everyone has, we've all been ingrained. Our generation is just like ingrained with this idea that we're all these like perfect little snowflakes that are always going to go change the world. And which is great. Yeah, sure. In whatever capacity that looks like. Yeah. Not everyone's going to go be president. Not everyone's going to be the first one to explore a planet. But the idea of a lot's happened before we were born and a whole lot's going to happen afterwards, you know, and it's what you do. Mm-hmm. The, the way you're going to be remembered is if you're you're choosing to to love and, and encourage those yeah. that are around you. Because otherwise, be, you're just a be dick. Good. Yeah, exactly. Be good, at, <laughs> be good at being average because most of us are average. Yeah. You know, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, and a certain amount of pressure is good. You know, like they say pressure creates diamonds, whatever. Um, and you should... <laughs> kind of hate it though but you should you should push yourself to be good at whatever but you should also understand that they're you know it's just the way that you treat people has has a big lasting impact i think that's just the most important takeaway too is just you know and the one person that's even if it's your dog even if you're just a hermit and you don't see anybody else like treat your dog with respect i don't know like it doesn't matter whoever you're around and you don't have to be this you know big big thing with a bunch of following and it's just I don't know. It's just a lot of fakeness going around. Like you said, special little snowflakes and then everyone's <laughs> ego gets hurt. And then it's just like, who can we bash today? Like, right. Right. <laughs> just, it's absolutely insane. Like just, yeah. Be good at being average. Mark Manson. Love him. Yes. You should read, you should read his stuff. <laughs> I should, I will. I'll, I'll write it down. Send me the song and then send me, send me a book. I'll, I'll do the yeah. two things. Um, well, yeah, you know, and, and especially, you know, in this age of Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and everything else that's going on, it's so easy to get your ego inflated because you picked up some followers. I think TikTok, especially, you know, you got these 15, 16, I think what's her face. TikTok uh, scares me. <laughs> tick, it, tick. Now, don't get me wrong. I waste a whole lot of time on TikTok, but oh, it's, God. but it is, it's, you know, these teenagers who get these millions of followers for, you know, dancing actually. Yeah. Literally for dancing. And it's like, mm-hmm. ah, like they're like growing making up. some weird noise of the camera. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I got on there a couple times and I was scrolling. I literally got nauseous. I was like, this is too much. I can't do it. <laughs> And it's, it's, that's how kids are growing up too. They're looking at the, 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 like, there's little girls who do makeup better than I can. I'm like, what the hell? Like you look grown. Stop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not it, trying to make myself sound old, but like, that is so like crazy superficial. Like you're not learning any useful skill and you're just making money already. At, first off, like you should not be making money when you're like 12 from online sources. That makes no sense at all. Right. Oh, not to mention how dangerous it is too. And it's just like, I mean, we don't even need to get into all of that, but it's just, ah, oh, people like, and then you get, there's this like fear of missing out too. If you're not posting, if you're not, and like, we've all been subject to it. I mean, it's the huge elephant in the room that nobody wants to be the guy that talks about it, but 
there is a lot of like, oh, you know, I get it too, where I see my friends out doing something and they're posting and they like they look cute or whatever. Oh, it's a filter. And they uh <laughs> they're doing all these things and it's just like these live action snippets of the little day when really they've just been sitting on the couch all day, mm-hmm. you know, probably eating donuts and petting their cat. Like they're not really doing a whole lot. Right. But we see we see that and then we make these assumptions that their life is so great. And so I have to go out there and I have to get it. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, you know, I'm going to go do it. And then my life is going to be great. But you start doing these things that kind of looks like what they're doing. And it doesn't look like it feels the same. Mm-hmm. That's because what you're watching is is not reality. It's not the day to day. It's not the it's not the average. You know, the average isn't all this glitz and glam and sexy and, in you know, people get caught up in that. And it's it's really unfortunate. And it's it's one of those things where it's not going to stop. Because technology is a beautiful, evil thing, and we're going to continue to develop it and get better and better at it. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where you have to constantly be mindful of and constantly remind yourself and constantly like do these little checks throughout the day. Be like, okay, what's actually right in front of me? I have work to do. I have my dog. I have my people in front of me. I have food to go prep. <laughs> I got to go to the gym and, you know, talk to my friends there and be present in the moment, you know, but then you get right, you get sucked right back into it. And, you know, before you know, you spent like 30 minutes to an hour scrolling. You're like, holy shit, where did the time go? Mm-hmm. And, and and all the more this year, everyone's at home, everyone's stuck and, you know, even state to state, because especially yeah. with powerlifting, you know, people are following lifters from across the country and they're interacting with people all over the world. And they're like, well, if they're getting to do X, Y, Z because they're there, why aren't we getting to do X, Y, Z here? But it is, it's this, it's this false reality that's, I think, been compounded on because all we're doing is sitting at home because we're legally not allowed to go out and do other stuff. You know, it's disheartening. It really yeah, is. It's, it really is tough. It is. And it's, it's very situational. I know some states are a little worse. Um, here in the Midwest, we maybe have a little bit more of a rebellious attitude. So I do see, I do see a lot more people out. I know we've had quite a few gyms get in trouble because they've just, you know, allowed people in. But um, I believe we're in stage five now, so it's it's pretty open. I know like bars and stuff are open. I see a lot of people out now being able to sit down in restaurants. So it's a little bit better um, than it was, but I don't know. I. <sighs> It's it's tough and we can all like enjoy it, you know, revel in the fact that we're all kind of, you know, enjoying the suck together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some sort of camaraderie in that. But, you know, and it is hard because people are probably statistically online more yeah. than they were. And we're also getting into the winter months, too. So there's less there's going to be less time spent outside. But I don't know. I feel like people can still. You know, what about family? What about friends? Like, do some traveling. I don't know. For me, I think it's just the easiest thing to take a weekend and, you know, drive a couple hours to a gym that I haven't been to. Yeah. You know, meet some new people, some lifters that I've only seen, you know, through Instagram. Like, hey, like, I saw you, you know, I follow you, whatever. I get that all the time. Like, you don't know me, but I follow you. I'm just like, okay, cool. Nice to finally meet you. And I might actually, like, remember you because... I'm not going to remember you just because it was a random follow, but that's just cool. I think that's that's real, that's the fun part of it too in the powerlifting community is you see people all over the world and you get to meet them and you're like, holy shit, that's you. That's, yeah. Hey, you. you you did that thing online that one time. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, so kind of last big question I got, uh, and uh, one of my personal favorites is this breakfast question. Now, you don't have to, I'm, this is my precursor, you don't have to give me a healthy answer if you don't want to. They aren't going to judge you. <laughs> but my question is, because obviously I have to preface that because you're a nutritionist, uh, the all-time favorite breakfast food, what is it and why is it what it is? And it doesn't have to, if it is healthy, great. I'm going to assume you're lying, but it doesn't have to be healthy. Okay. Oh, well, my favorite breakfast food. Hmm. Honestly, I've had like a, it's a, this, it's from a restaurant. It's a sweet potato hash with an egg over easy. It's got the, it's got the perfect seasoning. That's honestly it. And it's, you know, diced sweet potatoes. There's a little bit of onion in there. And then the egg yolk, you know, you see people do the the fork in the middle of the yolk and it just runs through perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's, it's light and it hits the spot. Cause I'm not a huge breakfast person when I wake up, especially I've, I've gone through the last couple of years where I just kind of eat later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way that, you know, my body kind of works. Um, I get a couple meals in before I'm training anyway, so I'm pretty set up well. I'm sure there's some people who are like, oh my God, like she doesn't eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Um, not really. But so that's it for me. For me personally, that's the one that comes to mind. I also love my Kodiak cakes with a nice slab of peanut butter. That's what I tend to do on the weekends. So something a little sweet. Yeah, they're both valid answers. I've definitely gotten some horrific answers. Actually, last weekend, uh, I was chatting with Adam Field from Eight Man Strong, and uh, he holds the cake for the weirdest answer we've ever gotten. Uh, he says he always loves cheeseburgers with a Coke. And I was like, that's not a breakfast food. And he go apparently, you know, when he was a kid, you know, uh, they didn't have a ton of money, and his mom would always go out to Jack in the Box and get them cheeseburgers and Coke like every single day for like years. And so he was like, dude, like for whatever reason in the morning, I just crave cheeseburgers and a Coke. It's a nostalgia thing. Ed Cohen was the same way. Ed goes, uh, he said, blueberry pancakes. He goes, you know, every, every morning, Mm -hmm. you know, as a family, we'd sit down, we'd have blueberry pancakes. And so it is people are drawn to the nostalgia of, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, breakfast reminds people of those Saturday morning cartoons, of just like sitting at home. And if, if that's the case, then pop me some pop tarts because <laughs> there it is. That's what, that's what I was looking for. That was all a bait. Yeah. I'm so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would do literally wake up like half asleep. Um, my mom was a great cook. She renewed how to use the uh, toaster oven and the microwave really well. So <laughs> she, uh, it was always the s'mores. And I was a weirdo, so I like ate, I think every kid like kind of ate food weird, but I would take the crust off. I hated mm-hmm. the crust. That's it was the, the worst, worst part. part. Yep. And then it was it was warm just enough where I could like slide the two the two halves together and like pull. <laughs> no, nope, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not judging you. We're <laughs> by all means. I could pull pull them apart and just like kind of eat the sides. It was just so it just made the experience that much more. <laughs> It sounds so weird to describe that, but that's what I did. Yeah. Oh, I was just telling somebody because we were talking about weird food too. And you know those Nutter Butters? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had one in probably 15 years, but for sure. Same, same. But like you ever peel those things apart? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that and the Swiss cake rolls, I would take. (laughs) I ate terrible as a kid. Oh, man. (laughs) Seriously terrible. Um, 
you take the outer like icing off of the Swiss roll and then you would like literally I would eat it and I'm unraveling it because it's in a roll. Right. right? I'm just right. unraveling it and then I would take a part and then that's how I would eat it. It just yeah. wouldn't be normal. Just, <laughs> I, I had to desecrate my food before I ate, <laughs> ate it in little pieces. Oh man, I'm I'm so glad I tapped into that answer. That's good. People are getting to see this. Is what I'm talking about. People are seeing yeah. the, the why you decided. You're like, man, I'm, I'm a closet weirdo. Is, I need fine. to I need to go into health coaching because I need to figure out how to fix my own health. It's good. I should I should be obese actually. <laughs> I'm hey. not. <laughs> oh man, that's a great answer. That's good stuff. Oh wow. Okay. Well, we're gonna end on that high note. So, folks, uh, you know, this has just been a great conversation with Kaylee Borges. You can find her on Instagram at Miss K. Hey folks, just to reiterate, you can follow Kaylee uh, at Miss K on Instagram. You can follow myself on the podcast at Big Mo Powerlifting and at Faith Fitness Podcast. We are wrapping up season four. We've got one episode left with Jordan Shallow next week for the season finale. And then we will be pausing recording for the rest of 2020. So grateful for the support and the ongoing encouragement from all you guys. And thanks again to all of our sponsors. Stay tuned for the season finale on October 24th with Jordan Shallow, and I'll see you guys there.